Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Today we engage with a generational Trek talk as we look at the final season of Star Trek Picard and Normies Like Us. You have changed my life forever. You were born here and you die here. The time of the ball is over. God tells me I should do this. Why am I sensing enjoyment? You heard it up top. That's right. We are back traveling amongst the stars, trekking amongst the stars, one week after we had an insurrection with uh, much of the very same crew. And you know what? We decided we would come back around and do uh, Star Trek Picard, the final season. Uh, here with your host today, skeleton crew, Mike, son of Moog. And this is Captain Jacques-Luc Picard. I'm very old now. Uh, yeah, we're back again with the Star Trek. That's right, that's later. right. And... um. You know, people live a long time in the Federation. You know, hundreds probably not that old for him. He's got a lot. That's of true. Years yeah. left to but go. He does maybe. have that disease, genetic disease that he had that turns out not to be a disease. But right, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, how, how did that get transferred? Anyway, uh, we'll get there. But you know, there are some other things uh, available to us. Evil Dead Rise, but that was maybe a little too scary. Uh, but if there's one thing that I'd be more scared to revisit, and if you asked me a year ago, it would have been the Star Trek Picard series. Uh, yeah. Because we've talked about it here and there, but uh, I don't think it's a secret that we're not fans of it. But Jacob, you know, where were you heading into season three after the first two seasons of Star Trek Picard? Yeah. Uh, being well, a big we've fan talked of about TNG it. and stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, I think, about not just Picard season one and two, but just the general direction of Trek has gone since really the the Abrams movies and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with certain people being kind of in control. Uh, But I think I've said a lot of, you know, I've said a lot of things about season one and two. Uh, Not, I didn't like them very much. I didn't think they were very well written or well realized, I guess, on screen. Uh, So I was not really looking forward to season three, but I knew that there were some changes that were made. And I knew that was going to be sort of a TNG reunion. So that did get me a little excited. So I I went in with sort of mixed expectations and just hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're hoping for the best of both worlds that you'll get this new direction. (laughs) And uh, also the tribute that we've been hoping for, because, you know, seasons one and two, I only got halfway through season two and just watched recaps. Like once we get Borg and Girardi and stuff, I'm kind of. Not, oh yeah, not with it. Season one was tough with the Romulan brother and sister, and tonally it was just so dark. And it's like you can swear and stuff in modern Trek. I don't care, but like tonally, it was just very different. Yeah, from what I've come to know, especially those characters. I think in a lot of ways, this season was sort of a course correction of the Picard show. When it started mm-hmm. out, they wanted to do this new like, and this was something that Patrick Stewart said. You know, coming back, I didn't want to just do the same thing. It had to be different it had to be trying something new rather than just a tng reunion they tried that with the first two seasons didn't go over super well i mean i'm down for new ideas but if they're just not done well then you know it is what it is so i think with the third season really uh they kind of course corrected we're like all right we'll give the fans what they want kind of a send-off for the character and for the crew of the next generation 
Yeah, I would agree. And just one final note before we jump into kind of the history of the the show and get into uh, full spoilers, by the way, for Picard seasons one and two and three, mainly three we're going to focus on, but it's all on the table here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that change in direction was something we've seen hinted at in our feature film viewings where John, uh, John Luke Picard, Patrick Stewart, he wanted a little bit of different stuff for the character. Same thing happened seasons one and two, but finally we get reined in. And what I feel is weirdly, yeah, it's it's very a much very so. good sequel to the cinematic side of Next Generation. So yeah, it feels more like the movies, and uh, they kind of wanted to strike a balance between just being sort of nostalgia bait and also telling a new interesting story. Um, but like you said, this can be a spoiler heavy discussion. So this is really more for people that have seen it or don't intend to see it and just want to hear our take on it. And also, you may have noticed our very own Commander Colin not here today because he uh, has not watched this show at all. So, Right. We also tested his blood, and it turns out Changeling maybe. So we had to isolate yeah, him. Yeah, bad news <laughs> See there. See what happens. Uh, the Great Link. But we'll be Great Linking uh, up with him again uh, next episode. And uh, yeah. Get him we'll a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's in his bucket right now yeah um, maybe that's a bit of a tease but anyway uh yeah so let's see if this you know if we have to if did this turn out good or bad we'll enter either a mirror darkly was it a muck time or is it going to be a good time uh find out right after this uh, as we jump into picard season three on normies like us We're back, trekking amongst the stars for the third time with Captain Picard and his own series, probably uh, the several hundredth time counting all the episodes and movies. But uh, before we jump into it again, uh, Jacob's going to take us through a little bit of the behind the scenes and development of the series and this uh, this season uh, as well. So take it away, Captain Picard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this whole new Trek era sort of began... Obviously, there was sort of a big gap between the end of Enterprise into the movies, the Abrams movies, or the Kelvin timeline, you could call them. Um, And from that, we birthed the New Trek era, uh, which is sort of helmed by a guy named Alex Kurtzman, who we've talked about a few times on here. He's kind of in the uh, Rick Berman role now of overseeing the whole kind of... Uh, creative direction that Trek is going in. He's a co-creator of Picard, Discovery, and Strange New Worlds. So he's kind of overseeing mm-hmm. the main shows. Um, and, you know, I've said it before, I'm not a huge fan of his work. Uh, I don't really think he's a good writer. Like, if you look back on his filmography, it's pretty <laughs> much just a list of movies that I don't like or, you know, mediocre movies. We're talking Transformers, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, um, right not a great track record as a screenwriter, which is why I sort of question the decision to sort of put him in this overarching role overseeing all of Star Trek, but that's what they did. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that brings us to current day or a couple of years ago, the development of Picard season one and two, which was a, you know, Kurtzman also Akiva Goldsman is another guy that's sort of, you know, around co-creating these shows. Um, and also a guy named Michael Chabone, who is more known as a novelist, uh, but he was he was the, the showrunner of season one of Picard. So they brought in this novelist, not really known for working in television writing. And they're like, we're going to have his take on season one. So that's why it's kind of 
very different. Uh, like it was a big swing of like trying this new thing, right? Whole new cast other than Picard and seven of nine returning from Voyager. It's mm-hmm. all new characters set in the current day of star Trek, uh, you know, after the events of everything that happened from next generation, all the way through uh, Voyager, really that kind of timeline. Right. 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 Yeah. And it was, you know, a novel idea to maybe get this novelist in there. Um, but maybe the writing was on the walls after the first season uh, ended wow. with middling reception. Uh, thank that's, you very much. <laughs> that's uh, completely correct. Um, because Michael Chabon did leave after season one, season two, uh, the showrunners, uh, I believe. So, so this guy named Terry Metalis, mm-hmm. writer, uh, TV writer came in, started working in season two. Also Akiva Goldsman was the co-showrunner. Uh, in season two, he wrote the first two episodes, Terry Metalis did of mm-hmm. season two, which I thought, you know, it got off to a good start. It only fell apart, you know, after that. Uh, yeah. so I liked his work in season two. Then he left to kind of start developing season three, which is going to be this whole different thing. Um, and he became the showrunner for season three. So he sort of changed everything about this show, right? I mean, there's a completely season three compared to the first two seasons, you know, new music, new graphics, like everything is different. Like, yep. uh, it's just new a complete tone. overhaul of the show. Right? It's, a, it's a real course correction. And, and weirdly, the, how different the first two seasons were to the third one, uh, I think we both agree that you could watch the third season without watching the first one, first two seasons, if you wanted Absolutely. to. Absolutely. But yeah. there are, I noticed in hindsight, like seeing these final couple episodes again here and you know, the whole season, there are things that are paid off from the first two seasons. So like if, if you can get through them or if you somehow liked them, there are like things do get wrapped up in the first season that I thought were just dropped, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, we were actually addressing some of these things that were oversights in the second season. So uh, interesting work they've done here with three. But how did they kind of decide where to go with this? Right. Well, yeah, I think it works as a standalone season, but it also, if you did watch one and two, they'd nod, you know, there's nods to that as well. A lot of the original characters in the first two seasons, their arcs got wrapped up at the end of season two. You know, you had Gerardi turning into Elnor. the new board queen. Uh, what's that? Elnor was in Starfleet. Elnor, yeah, we had the Legolas of Romulans, uh, <laughs> you know, doing his thing. Uh, yes. I think Romulus. in canon, by the way, uh, he might have died off screen in this season because the way, you know, the ship that he's on, like I think explodes in this climactic oh. battle of the season. So rip Elnor, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Elnor Romulus didn't live. Uh, but I wonder if Rios just getting drunk somewhere. I wonder if Rios is alive right now or not. Yeah. Well, his story, um, you never finished season two, right? So, not completely. So yeah, but his, the me. way they wrap up his story is he just was like, I want to stay in the past. Cause he met like, this girl oh, in the right. past and so he's like i just want to stay in the past and picard's like well it breaks every rule that you know starfleet has but okay sure yeah he's like i'm gonna help uh civil rights and stuff which is a noble cause yeah. but he just stays in the past that's right i no, remember the but whole it's definitely breaking arc. the the temporal prime directive right which yeah, you know yeah. Is very bad. no it's a terrible thing to do but apparently no it's apparently fine uh but season <laughs> three picks up the only returning characters like i said it's picard Seven of Nine and Rafi, everyone's favorite Rafi musicer, Rafaela, Rafaela, yes, fan favorite. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where we're at at the beginning of season three. Um, Picard's been on some adventures. His body has been replaced by a positronic android body that 
is exactly like the body of an old man with the same illnesses or or whatever that comes life with life expectancy that. too there's no upgrade yeah. whatsoever we just no <laughs> no changes he's just still an old man uh-huh. um and that's where we're at right that's where we start off yeah yeah we we you know to speak broadly we're spending the first couple episodes like we're, we're eventually just getting the band back together you know and so there's like some yeah bread and even the, slowly adding to it but yeah go ahead yeah, the whole band doesn't even get back together until at least the second half of the season. But it, the way it starts out, uh, first we get the obligatory scene with uh, Picard's Romulan maid slash love interest from last season who kind of gets right. re- written off really quickly. Uh, yep. And he's got to go, him and Riker, uh, so he gets, a, he gets a distress signal, right, from uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher. She's doing her own thing. We don't know really what's going on with that, but he's mm-hmm. like, we need to go investigate this. Who does he call? His old friend, number one, uh, William Riker. William T. And they go to the USS Titan, uh, which this is another tie-in with the movies and with uh, Nemesis that we're going to be seeing in a month because basically at the end of Nemesis, I believe Riker is given the captaincy of the USS Titan. So he's going to be he becomes the captain of the Titan. This is set after he was already the right. captain. So he's returning to his old ship. Uh, there's a new captain there. And of, co- and of course, uh, Seven of Nine is the number one, the first officer on the USS Titan. Yeah, which is cool because, you know, obviously she's been in Picard, but um, she wasn't stationed. She was out of Starfleet for a long time. So to see that she's now been stationed and has made number yeah. one on a, on a, you know. She's been on a whole journey where she was, Working with Bounty these rangers. Hunters. Yeah. Um, as a former Borg, she's kind of defending other former Borgs. Uh, she has a whole arc, of course. Does some adventures with Picard. Now she's back in Starfleet. Uh, yeah. We get some... But, uh, speaking of legacy, sort of, you know, we have like LaForge's daughter is is um, the yeah. helmsman, you know, and she doesn't want to be an engineer and that she has conflict with her dad that comes up later, you know, so... Which reminds me of... In generations, we see Sulu's daughter uh, on the bridge oh, of the, the Enterprise in generations. Um, you know, that's going to be a familiar theme of this season familial. is sort of callbacks, uh, sort of remixing old, you know, Star Trek archetypes and stuff. I've, I've said before that I feel like it's the Force Awakens of Star oh. Trek, the next generation. And I mean, not, not in a bad way, but like just in a way where it's, remixing old themes or archetypes uh, to tell a new story dealing a lot with like the generations, right? So you have this older generation versus these new people and uh, just remixing, you know, from the OG movies to the TNG movies and, you know, making yeah. something very similar seeming, but also new. You know what I'm get the vibes I get from this season. It's very much the original series feature films. Where the characters yeah. are older and the way they approach problem solving, it's like different because they're, they have more experience, they're aged, they're not, you know, not as young as I used to be. Whereas the movies, it's like Picard wants to go sleeveless and punch everybody. So we're actually getting that arc of like, what do we do in our, in the, our twilight years, right? And yeah, he's too old to be action guy now. Right, 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 right. So I like that the characters, you know, like we have Kirk wrestling with getting older and like, what is my legacy? What if I had a family and like this kind, you know, so we get these themes Yes. that are now woven together. Like you said, a greatest hits kind of remixing. And Definitely. Retelling. Yeah. A lot of wrath of Khan vibes, uh, 
you know, even coming down to the plot of, oh, a son that he didn't know he had, which we'll be getting into. Uh, yeah. This first you know, arc has familiar. a lot of Wrath of Khan yes. energy. And it's sort right? of the first, yeah, the first couple episodes, three or four episodes are sort of a standalone adventure where they're on board the USS Titan. Things go kind of bad. They get stuck in a situation. Uh, and you get, you know, you got Picard, Riker, the new captain, Captain Shaw of the USS Titan, mm-hmm. um, all kind of having to figure things out and get them, get themselves out of this no win situation. Right. Yep. But we also get, I think it is the, the biggest bombshell of the first couple episodes, Beverly Crusher and Picard, they need to have a talk, right? Yeah. I think this is a, a, this is our, you know, Dr. Marcus as it were. That's right. Exactly. So we set up, Oh, Beverly Crusher has a son, Jack Crusher. They're doing some stuff. They're kind of on this secret operation. They can't say what's going on, but they're killing people. Like they're being chased by people that are trying to kill them. And mm-hmm. the first thing we see in Dr. Crusher's scene, first scene is that she's like killing people that are coming after her, just like murdering them in cold blood, which is very unstarfleet, but it shows how kind of desperate their situation is, right? Yep. And in the final final episode there's like a nod to that and we see her in insurrection picking up a gun and it's like they, they didn't give her much to do in some of the early movies so there there has been development and it's like not out of nowhere that she is learned to survive right it's there's some crazy stuff going on for her so when i first saw the episode i was like that's a little weird but after seeing insurrection i'm like you know what no this this is fine um and yeah yeah you come to understand high. why yeah what's going on and yeah. this is something that i really liked about this season was that all of the original cast members they think, how can we give them something like give them like screen time, give them an arc, something in this that allows them to sort of, uh, you know, do their thing, which a lot of the movies, they, you know, a lot of the cast members kind of got, you know, set aside uh, in the movies, didn't get a whole lot to do. Right. Especially Dr. Crusher, Troy, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of get sidelined. Even um, Jordy, a lot yeah. of times in the movies didn't have a ton to do and he gets more to do in this, too. Yeah, it's oftentimes the the Dater, Dater, Data, Riker, Picard show in the movies. Dater, you know, but uh, hardly know her. Um, And I think that's something that even the original series movies didn't do as well. Like, I think you could see this as three movies strung together almost, like three arcs. Yeah. And throughout that, every character does have a moment uh, of growth and payoff and like they, they have something to do and... It feels earned, and I think that's really cool, especially as we get more characters brought into the fold here, and even redeeming some characters that maybe I didn't care about in the first two seasons. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they go on board the, you know, Riker and Picard. They're like, all right, we're going to go on the Titan. We're going to tell them that we're doing an inspection, you know, because I'm an admiral, you're a captain, like we're high up guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they meet Captain Shaw. Uh, a new character for this season, who's sort of a very different captain than a lot of the captains we've seen in Star Trek. Uh, he's not impressed at all by them. He's like, this is very strange. Why are you trying to take over my ship and stuff? He's kind of fighting mm-hmm. them a bunch. Uh, and there's an interesting dynamic there, right? Yeah, I, I do like Shaw. He, he, I saw someone mention like he, he's an asshole, but he's the right kind of asshole. Like, like it's, yeah. it's, it's justified and you understand his point of view. He's a little... Uh, he's by the book and it's a boring book, he says, so to speak. But yeah, I, I like yeah. the conflict that he can have and he's not taking any shit from Riker or Picard when most other people be like, oh, the great, you know, Admiral on the bridge. Whoa. So. And he reminds me, I don't know if you've mentioned this before of, I think, Jellico, right? The captain that takes oh, over yeah. when Picard is uh, undercover doing a Kardashian thing. Um, uh, Jellico takes right over. 
yeah, as the captain of the Enterprise and a lot of the, the crew doesn't get along with him. He's sort of butting heads because he's more of a by the book person. He makes Di- Diana put on like a real Starfleet uniform instead of wearing like her like her body suits or whatever. Yeah, um, whatever ship's counselors are allowed to wear. Yeah. She's like, what the hell? But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, like he was kind of right about a lot of things and that's the way he ran a ship. But it just didn't, you know, Riker didn't get along with him and all that. Um, yeah. so very similar vibes there, but Shaw, he is kind of an asshole. He refuses to call seven of nine, seven. And he, he calls her, uh, Annika, her human name, which she's like, that's, you know, that's not what I, I choose my own name. Right. And I choose seven of nine to identify myself. But so he re- kind of, but he has that arc right over the course of the season, of course. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, won't go too far, but he has some trauma with Borg and he's, he's biased and he's essentially dead naming her, which is fucked up, you know? Like yeah. He's, he's really being a dick about it. Um, there's an arc, you know, so like maybe he'll grow, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of, kind of wild. And kind what's of- interesting about him too, is uh, he had like an engineering background. So he became a captain through the engineering path, which is a little different than a lot of, you know, captains generally become, go through command and become lieutenant commanders and commanders and all that before they become a captain. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is he doesn't care about Picard or Riker, but when he meets Jordy later, he's like, has like a fan moment where he's like, Oh, I, I look up to you like so much, like you're an inspiration, and everything. And he like freaks out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like a funny character moment for him. Yeah. And that's, this series is riddled with that, but I'm wondering if we could, if we should jump to like what I think is one of the, biggest character moments that sold me on the season and it's when we get Picard and and Crusher having that conversation about why didn't you tell me right like yeah that's that worked really well and it really helped sell me on the rest of the season from that point on absolutely so the big reveal of Jack Crusher who is Beverly Crusher's uh, son uh and of course as we find out Picard's son uh that she didn't tell him about um, and she, of course he's named after Jack Crusher, his old Picard's old friend who was married to, uh, Beverly Crusher father to Wesley, of course, uh, mm-hmm. who died. Um, he became, he went with the traveler or something. Jack, yeah, no, Crusher Wesley died. The Sorry, yeah, Wesley. Yeah. yeah. Jack Crusher died in front of Picard. And so this child is named after Jack, but it's, it's Picard's son. And she never told him. And there's this big conflict about, you know. And Why we kind of find out choice? a little more about their history after the movies, after everything, like in between now and then, like they tried to make things work as a couple and ultimately it never worked. And so, but they did, but she did get pregnant and then decided not to tell him because obviously Picard has, has had a lot of family issues come up uh, mm-hmm. from both the movies and this show where he has familial trauma He's always he's never wanted kids, but then in generations, when his brother and son, in, his brother and his nephew die, he's like, mm, maybe I do want kids. You know, no mm-hmm. one will carry on the Picard lineage and all that stuff. So it's something right. he's thought about for sure, right? And then even when he goes to the dream universe and generations, he's got like that Dickensian family at Christmas, right? Yep. So it's exactly. been in the back of his mind for a long time of like maybe I should have kids. Yeah, and similar similar echoes of what. You know, Kirk is dealing with at this stage of his career when he's like, what's my legacy? What are, you know, why didn't you tell me, Carol? Um, yeah. So similar beast, but done in a new way. I think done well. And it pays off a, a will they, won't they, that never really solidified in the series or the movies, like this romance between 
uh, Beverly and Picard that everyone felt was just under the surface, but you could never quite confirm it. So now, yeah, hundred percent that's, that's Canon. So. Yeah, exactly. It shows that they did kind of continue to live their lives after the show ended and the movies ended. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just didn't work out. And then Beverly's been sort of missing for like a, a few years now because she's been on the run with her son, who's now a full grown adult, uh, at least in his mid twenties. I'm not sure exactly yeah. how old he's supposed mid-20s to be. Mid twenties or so. Yeah. Yeah. And he is like a little Picard junior, right? He's kind of this has even has a British accent. He's not bald. He's got hair, but, uh, right. You know, he's got that he, famous, uh, British French accent, you know, that French yeah, British accent that you get Picard, when you English. French British accent. Yep, yep. Um, but he's an interesting character. He's kind of Kirkish and that he's kind of like, or he's like a young Picard, as we see in some flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Young Picard, it was a lot more jumping into situations and... and a little bit you know, of rascal, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of see a lot of young Picard in Jack Crusher. Uh, yeah. He's kind of a rogue, uh, but great, you know, interesting character to introduce. And, and I think it worked out really well. Yeah. And I like the actor. Um, I think he does a really good job. I, I think I buy that they're related just with his performance and mannerism sometimes. And... Yeah, you know, he he has a secret too, and that'll be revealed. But someone's coming after him. Uh, very confusing. Find secret. out why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very confusing secret actually. But um, do we talk? Are we introducing our our con our antagonist? Who is after them mm. and why? Right. So yeah, so this this new ship sort of appears. This like very dangerous looking ship, and it's helmed by this lady that we meet named Vatic, right? And she's yeah. like, uh, kind of you know, really hamming it up. She's like, I'm going to, you know, kill Jack Crusher. Where that's basically, that's what they're after. They need Jack Crusher. So that's what mm-hmm. Beverly has been on the run for, for a long time. And, um, so they, you know, the Titan gets trapped in a situation. They have a portal gun technology, this other ship, right. Um, which is pretty but, neat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we find out they stole that from Daystrom station and everything, but it was also, you know, maybe they're stealing something else more important. That was kind of to distract from that. Anyways, uh, Vatic, we we uh, come to find out, well, mm-hmm. she's played by, first of all, Amanda Plummer, who right. is Christopher Plummer's daughter. Christopher Plummer, you may remember as General Chang yeah. in The Undiscovered Country. So, he, so she's kind of following in his uh, footsteps, playing a very dramatic villain character he gets to monologue a lot right the next generation of star trek villain in the family it's it's a generational thing so good for her and she does a great job hamming up she's always got a cigar or whatever and yeah yeah i thought she was a lot of fun and then once you kind of find out her motivation what's going on the larger picture of things i mean we can just say it right yeah Uh, i think we're we're full open spoiler wall really yeah and getting into some ds9 stuff uh we find out it's the changelings the dominion uh so after the dominion war there's sort of a group of changelings who went rogue and refused to uh you know recognize the peace treaty between the dominion and the federation and was like no we gotta and if you guys don't know the way ds9 ended uh how the dominion war ended basically the federation designed a disease that affects the changelings uh biological warfare right yeah and then they made a cure for it but they only said we'll give you the cure if you surrender so it's kind of uh sort of you know brings up genocide questions and sort of yeah. moral questions like that right 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 it is uh and there's always the shades of gray um with the deep space nine stuff um yeah some great exactly. episodes um uh 
but yeah, it, it, it's uh, and so the, these these they created extremists basically. Like their actions created extremist changelings that are like, no, yeah. fuck that. We're going to take our buckets and we're going to do something about this. Right. Um, they get and we find up out in the wrong crowd, maybe, but they're they're doing they're yeah. part of this whole thing now. Yeah. Yeah, we find out they make an alliance with another villain. Uh, they end up getting sort of genetically modified or improved where they can. Now they're a lot better at like imitating other biological beings and things like that, where they can even pass blood tests and stuff like that. They were used to detect changelings before. Um, they've advanced a lot, right? Yeah, and in and in the vein, I, as this developed too, thinking of the season in hindsight as a whole, I really, really like this kind of way they introduce these elements because you're like, first it's some, just a man of plumber, then we're going to have, oh, but there's changelings, then holy shit, and a lot like conspiracy, they've been slowly infiltrating Starfleet like at the highest level. And we're about to yes. get a stretch where we get a lot of cameos, a lot of return characters, and it becomes much like conspiracy. Who can we trust and who can't we? Because they can get past our bioscanners and anybody can be a changeling. And you get this really tense yeah. series of episodes where it's like, how do I know I can trust you? And like that, that's done pretty well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been done in, like you said, cons- the episode Conspiracy and other episodes where we find out, oh, they're, they've infiltrated Starfleet. And even DS9, that was a reoccurring thing where the changelings would impersonate important people like Chancellor Gowron of the Klingons was a changeling yeah. for a long time and trying to escalate war tensions between them and stuff. So uh, and Dr. Bashir was 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 a changeling for a while. Right. So they, were, mm-hmm. they know how to infiltrate and now they can get past the basic tests that we use, like with blood and stuff. So it's like they're they're all over Starfleet now. You can't trust anybody. Yeah, it's a thing. We can no longer heat up a stick and, and test your blood now. Like it's that doesn't work, right? So yeah, but it has that kind of paranoia of the thing where you're like, I really don't know who to trust right now. So it creates some interesting interactions, um, and, and it's right all hands with, uh, on deck. Yeah, yeah. With Vatic, you know, introducing her, I was like, okay, this is interesting. She's kind of interesting. I don't know what her deal is yet. And then you find out, oh, she's part of these this changeling extremist group. Uh, and then you find out who's backing them. It's even a more serious threat in the third act of this whole season. Yep. Uh, you know, like you say, it's a great way to introduce different villains and kind of upping the stakes throughout the season. And it makes logical sense why they might lie. And why why is her ship so advanced? Why is, how, Where did she get this thing, right? And stealing yeah. the portal gun. There's a lot of interesting things that in hindsight. It's like, yeah, you know, you guys really thought this through. And I, I'm pleased with that. But... Uh, we get some cameos, some people, we get higher-ups calling, hey, changelings are in the shit. You know, we, we Tuvok calls us. We get a return of a big TNG character, you know, if you want to go into some That's of this. Right. We get some great cameos in these episodes. Yeah. And well, that's the next thing. So after they get out of this situation where they're stuck in this area of space, they're trying to get out. They're using, you know, they portal keep gun technology. Portal, yeah. Yeah. But right back. Um, so the real conundrum for their all, but they get out of it and then they meet up with Roe Laren, right? Ensign Roe from the next generation, uh, played by Michelle Forbes. She comes back as now, I think, Lieutenant uh row or commander row i'm not sure yeah um but she goes and meets with picard picard is feeling a lot of feelings because of how her story sort of left off with him so she she went off joined the maquis which were a terrorist group against uh against the cardassian and federation peace they were like 
this is fucked up. Like the Cardassians are bad. So they still fought them. So mm-hmm. she decided as a Bajoran to join them. Um, and, you know, her and Picard kind of left on bad terms, right? Yeah. And she's like the, one of the first Bajoran characters we meet in this history of Star Trek. And it's, I think, yeah. at least amongst fans, well known that she was originally supposed to be Commander Kira on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, I think I've mentioned that before on here. Yeah. Um, the actress but, didn't want to do that long of a contract. So then they made a new character, Major Kira. Yeah. And I think um, she's what season three or so. Don't quote me on that, but I, I always like the character and she does leave the show and it's a character that I think everybody wanted to see come back. And it's cool that they give her time to come back and have an arc and like, like finish her story, you know, in, in as satisfying ways yeah. they could given. given and her, her arc was really interesting to me because at first I was like, you know, fuck this lady. Like why is she, how can she be in Starfleet? I was feeling the same way that Picard was feeling like you, mm-hmm. made, you betrayed Starfleet and they let you back in. Like what's going on. And then you come to realize over the episode what's going on with Starfleet. And she's there to warn him that, like, you can't trust anyone. I can't even trust the people on my own ship. Like, they find out that I told you this. They're probably kill me. And, like, it's getting really dark. You know, they're on all levels of Starfleet. And mm-hmm. this has all happened without detection. It's been, like, a plan many sort of years in the making, right? Yep. And it's going on in the background. Also, she says something to the effect of, like, you, you also, like, just gave up on me. Like, you didn't really care. You know, so don't. Yeah, he was sort of a mentor to her, um, and he feels like it's a failure. You know, they both feel like their their relationship as a mentee mentor was a failure on both ends, right? Yeah, yeah. So to have the chance to pay that off and and bury the hatchet, also the fact that like they have to be kind of mean to each other, like like figure out are you a changeling or not, and they have to say some shit that only they would know, and there's right painful memories maybe, but um. Yeah, she, so she's she on that one episode. Everything. Yeah, sort of a standalone performance. And at the end, she sort of helps them escape Starfleet's grasp because Starfleet at this point is trying to catch the Titan because, you know, they know what's going on. So they're trying they're to catch them. to unravel it. Yep. Yeah. Um, she distracts them, basically allows them to escape and then is killed herself at the end of this episode, right? Yeah, she makes a sacrifice to help Picard escape and hopefully save everyone else. You know, save the, the entire Federation is at stake for what it sounds like at this point. Everything. Yeah. So it's um, a good send off for that character. Um, and I like that this season is kind of closing a lot of arcs that weren't really addressed uh, from the TNG era. Um, so now they're on the run from Starfleet. They're fugitives, effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. And they decide to go to. Well, this is where they go to Daystrom Station next, right? Because they right. want to figure out what they what else the changelings stole other than the portal gun technology. Um, something else that there's part of a larger plan that's going on that they're trying to figure out. Exactly. So we got to get over to Daystrom and see what's up. Also, they did do a, a terrorist attack with the portal gun too. Like that. That's right. That was the whole thing as well. They blew up Starfleet Academy or I think it was Starfleet Academy, right? That means we won't get that show. Good on them. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> but uh, right. so we get to Daystrom. What it was, what's revealed here? I mean, we get some more character reunions, but there's this is where I think the things start to come together with what the what the big picture is. Yeah. So they find they go to Daystrom Station. They find out uh, what's being held there. Well, first, we get another cameo from a fan favorite character of TNG. Moriarty, right? The antagonist to Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Super villain who becomes an AI. So he's an AI in the holodeck who becomes self-aware that he is an AI. He gets modified. So he's a, he's a more intelligent AI who can act on his own now. 
Um, he has a nice little arc on the show where they eventually let him go and explore the galaxy with his his friend that his 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 uh, female friend that he takes with her another uh, AI. Right? They just got him in a little pocket universe, though. They're like, that's yeah, right. They man, put him. You did yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, they trick yeah. him, but they, they allow him to live security. a good life. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, so yeah, we find out he's sort of the security system of Daystrom Station, but then we find out it's not really Moriarty. It's actually Data. But it's data. It's a Brent Spiner android body that has data's personality in it. It has lore. It has B four, another character that we'll meet in Nemesis. Uh, Yep. Has every you know soon creation in one body, and he can switch from the different personalities. So lore, his evil twin, of course. uh, Yep. And he, you know, he's sort of the directory of Dayson Station. He kind of monitors everything that's going in and out. Right. Yep. So we're trying to see, hey, can we can we get data data lore B4 online? Can we find out what's going on here? And we have we have Jordy with us at this point. At some point Jordy meets up and to help us out with this. Right? Jordy is after when they so they go from Daystrom Station to the Fleet Museum, where Jordy Correct. is the director of the Fleet Museum. Uh, and he joins up with them there. That's right. So we're trying to get uh, data online. And when we do that, though, there's now a conflict where all the personalities, specifically lore and data, are kind of battling for control of the yeah. of the body. And so there's this He's kind got of multiple personality disorder, essentially, yeah. as an android. Uh, he's switching back and forth kind of paranoid. between these personalities. And uh, so they've got to be like, data, you got to take control of this body and you know, sort of absorb the other personalities, but you know, lore obviously is a strong personality. So they have a whole conflict. Um, yeah. Brent Spiner on Brent Spiner, you know, violence, you know, he's, he gets yeah. to, to do some acting, which we appreciated in insurrection. Some of the movies, Brent Spiner getting to break the mold of typical data. So when he's Definitely. doing both lore and data, um, it, and jumping from personality to personality. Yeah. It's like really, yeah, it's good acting. Like he's, you know, lore is a completely different personality from from data, and he's able to just switch on a dot, right? And if just a facial expression would tell it all. Like it's very good, actually. So full credit to yeah. Spiner for still having the chops. Uh, data, Absolutely. however, wins with love. He wins in the end with love. He doesn't try to overpower lore. He accepts lore because lore's never been loved. And then lore's like, damn, bro. And then they fuse, and now they're a new personality that's data and lore. We're gonna choose to just call it data because that's what. Data chooses data. Yes. Chooses just call this data, and, and that's how we refer to him. And the reason this body is even here is that they explain. So obviously, in Nemesis, if you've seen it, Data mm-hmm. sort of sacrifices himself for the rest of the crew and dies. Spoiler alert for next month, but uh, mm-hmm. it's an old movie. Uh, yeah, and guess what? So, He's back now. <laughs> and Picard sort of struggled with this, like in season one. He's like, "Damn, Data like sacrificed himself for me. I'm feeling some things about that." But mm-hmm. uh, as we learn, uh, one of the Soong relatives, so another Brent Spiner character from season one who has the android daughters like Soj and what were, the, Soji, what were her names? Sochi. Soji. And, yeah. Soji. Dodge or whatever. Dodge. Um, yeah. Sochi. Yeah. So, so he, he, he had before he died, that. yeah, he built an older version of Data. Uh, coincidentally, just happens to be the same age that Brent Spiner is now. Um mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to put every personality that of data into this one body, I guess. So that's how they explain that, right? Yep, yep. And now we get uh, data 
three, 4.0. I don't know how far we are in the cycle, but it's like a more emotive data. He, he doesn't need an emotion chip. He has the full spectrum of That's you know, right. human emotion. And, he and can use contractions. He can do humor now. Like he understands he's more human than ever. Yep. Yep. He's more human than ever. He gets gut instincts. So we get him back and we figure out kind of what, 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 what did they take? What did they take? And it's kind of weird. Yeah. And also we, we get some Easter eggs here at Daystrom. We see uh, Kirk's body, uh, Captain Kirk's body. We see uh, the Genesis 2 device just in a quick flash, which, you know, Genesis mm. device, obviously a big part of the OG movies. Um, yep. And we get weaponized uh, tribbles, right? Genetically modified tribbles that are like attack tribbles. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They infinitely so multiply. They, that would be terrifying. And they find out what did they take from Daystrom? They took Picard's body, his human body, when he died and was put instead into an android body. His human body was being stored at Daystrom and has now been taken. Yep. And that's the human body that was, you know, coincidentally. Do we do it now? Or no? You can wait. Um, yeah, we can. I don't I don't know. Funny what the timeline is. Well, let's just say this body was also part of a a collective of sorts, and maybe that's going to play into things. But up to this point, we just that's know right. we have infiltration at the highest level. They took Picard's body. Why the hell would they do that? And they're still after Jack Crusher. That's right. So next, actually, they go to the Fleet Museum, right, to meet with Jordy, who is the director now of the Starfleet Museum. Here we get another bunch of Easter eggs where we see all the old ships. It's basically an old station that all the parking spaces, I guess, around the station have old ships in them. And uh, that's a lot of fun. You get to see the Defiant, mm -hmm. uh, Voyager, the Enterprise A, Kirk's yep. Enterprise, right? Uh, even the, the HMS Bounty, which is the Klingon bird of prey that they named the bounty that they use in the, the movies, like the, the yep. whale movie and everything. Mm -hmm. Um so we see a lot of Easter eggs, even seven or nines, like that ship right there, Voyager, that used to be my home, right? Yeah. No, that's a really cool sequence. I like seeing all this, you know, maybe fan service, but I I mean, that would be so rad. And it makes sense that as an engineer, Jordy's like, I'm old now. I'm just going to repair all these old ships yeah, and just maintain like That's his them. hobby. Instead yeah. of like, make, like repairing old cars, he's repairing uh, and renovating old spaceships. And the Enterprise D definitely needed a renovation after exploding like that's he's put yes. a lot of work into that one. Well, that's yeah, the big reveal really cool is that he's been it. working that on that on the side. He's refitting or he's completely remaking the Enterprise 1701D, Picard's main Enterprise from the show. Right. The, and the best, in my opinion, the best Enterprise design, uh, just from an aesthetic, per, you know, stance. I really like the D. So mm -hmm. uh, it was great to see it being refurbished and. Uh, yeah, that'll come into play later, right? Yeah, the nostalgia really hit. Uh, but but we get we can talk to Jordy because in the show at least Jordy and Data were very good friends too. So it's it's another reunion for them. That's um, right. Which we're slowly cool. getting the band back together. We didn't even yeah. mention Worf's part in this, where Worf is working with Rafi to uncover this whole mystery that's going on, this conspiracy, right? They're so contributing they're with their thing. clues, yeah, and they're touching base with our heroes here and there covertly when they can. But uh, yeah. it's hush hush at this point. Yep. Um, and like we said, we you know Jordy's daughter is now the pilot of the Titan. We meet his other daughter on the museum or working with her dad in the museum, and 
Fun fact, uh, that daughter is played by LeVar Burton's real daughter. Oh, that is not the main fact. daughter that's the pilot. She's a different no, actress, but yeah. The, the one working the station with Jordy directly is his real daughter. That's cool. Look at this legacy stuff, man. Even yeah. literally. Star Trek get, legacy. Yeah, we get Amanda Plummer and a little little daughter LaForge. Uh, yeah. Good for them. That's true. Um, yeah, and then so we find out what they're planning. You know, Frontier Day is, is going to be this big holiday. And it's the 250th anniversary of Starfleet. So Frontier's Day, this ties into Enterprise, actually. This is the mm-hmm. first day that the NX-01 uh, Captain Archer's Enterprise was launched into space for the first time. Uh, it's called Frontier's Day. It's basically like Independence Day or something for, you know, the Federation. Like it's the day that space, Starfleet the new was frontier, right? That we took our exactly. first one small step for mankind of thing. Um, and, and that that's does my set favorite this, ship, just saying. But yeah. The on. NX-01. Yeah. Uh, the outside, the one. inside is the Enterprise D though. It's the coziest. It's a different... Yeah, it's definitely a different era. Uh, it's like, you know, much earlier era of space exploration. So I like that the mm-hmm. different aesthetic and different like designs and everything. But um, for sure. But Frontier Day. Thanks, Scott Bakula. Um, and this is setting this uh, this Picard season three in a very specific date because it's 250 years after the first Frontier Day, which we know from Enterprise is like 20 is I think 2151. So this is set now in the year 2401. Gotcha. 2401. 2401. Yeah. And we're on our way. But yeah, Frontier Day, obviously a great place to enact your plan to take over Starfleet, especially if you have a bunch of changelings. All the Everyone's going to be there. Everyone's going to yeah. be there. Every ship's going to be there. It's the party of the, of the, four, it's of the century. All and right? they're piecing together. What's going on here? We find out that Oh, the Starfleet leadership has has this new program that they're integrating, and they're going to link all the ships with AI, uh, so they're all connected on one network. What could go wrong? That's always a good sign, right? When everything's connected on one network, everything's all connected together. You know, that way, if one ship is in trouble, all the other ships will know it, right? There can't be anything wrong yeah. with this technology, right? This is totally above board. Which is kind of surprising that they've only thought about this now because. That's kind of that's technology that could have been done that could be done today. You know, we can network computers together and stuff. But you know, you just make up a subspace. Yeah, uh, it's difficult over light years, you know. But they figured it out now, apparently, with the uh, technology collected from several other species. But, maybe. Yeah, but Picard and the rest—they're like, that's a terrible idea. Like, you know, every ship should have its own crew and captain and do its own thing. You're networking mm-hmm. these together. This seems like a weird idea, but okay. Um, and here we get another cameo from Lieutenant Shelby from the best of both worlds, uh, right. now Admiral Shelby. And we see that she's in control of the 1701 F now, the current enterprise of this day. She's piloting mm-hmm. in this ceremonial thing where all these ships are gathered together for this big celebration, right? What could go yeah. wrong? It's a big parade. Nothing could ever go wrong here, especially if they're all networked together, <laughs> you know? Um, but this is sort of where we find out who's really behind, who was working with the Dominion, who was working with the Changelings. Uh, we also met, we forgot to mention Vatic was killed basically earlier. She tried to take over the Titan. Eventually was, you know, they figured out how to get rid of her. She died. So we're like, okay, I guess villain dead, right? Everything's fine. No, the real villain we find out is yeah, it's once again, Coming back to the Borg. It's never not. Picard's greatest nemesis, right? 
besides Tom Hardy. Yes, of course. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, anyway. That's a Star yeah, Trek nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> that's a star. But yeah, the Borg, you know, once again, Electric Borgaloo, they're back at it again. Um, they want to, you know, take over, assimilate, maybe not assimilate, but they want to take over Starfleet. Obviously, that's their greatest enemy. Picard, he, he wrecked them. And again, they've evolved like the changelings. They're a more sophisticated Borg now. They don't need to assimilate because they can just take you over with this plan that they've been you know, planning, uh, you know, basically remotely, they can just every inside of every human. Now there's this genetic thing that they can, they can take over. And that's due to, we find out Jack Crusher's role in all this, the son of Locutus of Borg, Mm -hmm. right? We find out, well, first of all, we find out this genetic disease that, uh, Picard had in season one and two. They're like, actually that was misdiagnosed. It was never a disease. It was something that was intentionally put in him by the Borg to become like this receiver or transponder of the Borg. So he was the Borg spokesperson, but they passed on genetically to his son, Jack Crusher, this genetic capability where he's sort of, he's becoming the new Locutus, right? Essentially. Yeah. It's like, it's like when Picard left the, the collective, something was left in him that could only receive transmissions. So he would have flashbacks and, and hear echoes in the movies and stuff from the queen yeah. and this and that. But once he had a son that mutated just enough that now there's a transmitter and a receiver. So he can send out Borg waves to other humans and it will infect them basically. Yeah. And Jack Crusher throughout the season has been experiencing like hallucinations and like he's not always in control of his body. And he keeps thinking that he's like killing people or something's going on. He's like freaking out. Right. Then at some point he starts like opening up to it and he's able to telepathically communicate with LaForge to get out of a dire situation. And it's like, how did you do that? You just yeah. send your thoughts. So he starts to even take out. control of their body yeah. and like make them do certain things. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's like, something weird is happening here. They're trying to figure it out. Uh, eventually he realizes I need to answer the call of the Borg. The, the Borg queen is calling to me. I must go to her. Uh, and we get return. Of yeah. the Borg Queen from First Contact, mm-hmm. um, same actress. Uh, I'm forgetting her name right now. Yeah, but it's wild because we had Doctor Girardi like get infected by the Borg Queen season two, right? That, yeah, so we had a point? different Borg Queen that was being held by the Federation in this prison that they kind of escape with in season two, uh, and eventually she merges with Girardi. They become like a benevolent offshoot of the Borg, but this right. is the other Borg, I guess. There's multiple Borg queens apparently. Which I'm not was sure exactly speculated, right. So that, that yeah. might be confirmation of that. Uh, again, we've had a lot of Borg drones like separate from the collective, and there's always an exception to the rule, you know, so who knows if the season two one was different or not, but we, we're getting especially after seeing um, the movie when Sweet Green Gas explodes her and, you know, this is the big finale. Uh, yeah, she's not looking too great. <laughs> no, yeah, she looks different. And I was just looking up. Um, yeah, she's played, or at least she's voiced in the season by Alice Krieg, who did play her in First Contact and also in the Voyager uh, finale. That's right. Um, last season's board queen was played by Annie Wershing, who unfortunately passed away of cancer very recently. Oh, um, too bad. Yeah, but so Alice Krieg is back doing the voice and we see the new Borg queen. She's kind of mutated, uh, very cool look, right? 
it's really dark but like this is where i think what they were going for is more serious tone in the first two seasons it actually works here like this feels mm-hmm. like threatening it's kind of hr geiger like it's very she, she has a great look you know yeah until she's been through hell you know and just almost darth maul just through pure hatred has she survived to get revenge yeah and i'm wondering is she the same queen that from first contact because Picard did like crush her skull like in that movie, right? That's- oh yeah, maybe it can't be. Maybe there's just multiple. She scene. has like the Terminator moment where she's like a skull in a in a spine, right? And oh, then- he snaps the spine, but yeah, yeah, she was just a skull. So who now? Now I'm getting confused with what. Well, maybe she could have been fixed. Yeah, um, but she's I mean, got this knows? trauma of yeah, yeah, of dealing with Picard and in, in Starfleet over the years, and she's evolved to the point where she's like. All right, we're not going to assimilate all of Earth. We just want to destroy, you know, the human race for just being so annoying for so long and taking everything from the Borg Queen. Right? She's yeah, like on she, a revenge tour mission now. Yeah, yeah, very Darth Maul. But she's had to like essentially. She's like, you left us with nothing, no, no sustenance, nothing, and we had to like they had to like cannibalize themselves just to stay alive, like yeah. long enough to even do this. So it makes so much sense in hindsight why the the extremists from the great link the changelings would team up with them because it's like we have a federation too and they're both collective organisms right they have a similar philosophy totally Um, and they both have like perfect pairing go ahead yeah morally like it's gray areas for starfleet how they treated the dominion and how they treated the borg and everything obviously there was you know war was a very different era where you know you mm-hmm. can do things in war that you wouldn't normally do. War never but changes, right? That's right. Uh, but they did basically do a genocide to the changelings to end that war. Uh, and with the Borg, they're like, well, basically, we just need to eradicate them because they'll never stop. Uh, but we've had people become removed from the collective and transition into regular life, you know? Yeah. So we're also just, you know, they're victims too mm-hmm. in some way. All the drones are victims in a way, and we're just like, fuck it. Right. Eradicate Which is a big them. part of the earlier seasons. Borg, you know, former Borgs getting, uh, you know, abused and like discriminated again, stripped of their of their uh, components and stuff by, you know, people just capture them and murder them and, and sell their components. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of dealing with the former Borg rights and stuff. So it's very interesting. Um, but it does come back to the Borg, the ultimate nemesis of Picard. He's dealt with them many times. He's got a lot of history with them. Um, yeah, I think it was a great way to. Like I like that they brought the the changelings in. Like that was a really cool way to start the season. But then I even did like the twist of it, the Borg also being behind it all, because it just made sense that Picard's final appearance would be dealing with his greatest enemy. Yeah, I, I agree totally. I agree totally. And I think that's setting up the stakes of this finale here. So let's come back right after this to really break down the ending and where this might be going. I know there's some teases here, right? I think we're on a good clip. But yeah, Absolutely. Borg is back and uh, resistance is futile. So we'll talk about that right after this. We're back. We are face-to-face with the Borg Queen. Uh, Resistance is futile, but not only face-to-face with the Queen, we're face-to-face with our own son, Jack Crusher. 
uh, has That's right. he turned himself over to the board, right? You said he, he was hearing the call. He didn't want to put anybody else in danger. He felt he was losing control. And he, he, he leaves our, our crew and he goes straight up to meet her. And then that's when Picard catches up with her with him. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what's her plan? What's his role? We know he's a transmitter, but you know, just right. what's going on. We find out the grand plan that they have. And this is really funny if you think about it, but essentially mm-hmm. all the young people... Basically, if you're if you're under a certain age, you have this genetic thing within you um, that you can be remotely basically turned into a Borg drone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's their plan is they're going to take over Starfleet by controlling the young generation. Everyone over a certain age is OK because they were you know, born late. They're born early enough. But uh, mm-hmm. essentially what it comes into is boomers having to save the world from Gen Z and millennials and having uh. to be like, you know, back in my day, uh, but the boomers are here. They're going to save the world. What do you think? Well, yeah. You know, you know, back in my day, you couldn't get indoctrinated over the internet. You know, you had to have somebody come up to you and infect you with, we are Borg. Now, right. you just go online. If your brains, yeah, it's pretty funny how they, I could see the stretches the writers so are the going. ultimate oh, the internet. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate message of this is like, oh, these young people are on their phones too much. They're turning into zombies. Drones. They're turning into drones you know borg drones but us boomers we know how to do things uh we'll have to save everybody that's kind of what it feels like which is very funny to me but (laughs) i I didn't think about it like like that (laughs) yeah you kids don't know how to change a tire you never change a tire in your life right oh that's but it is kind of perfectly targeting people that would be a fan of the og star treks that maybe you know are a little old these young people with their you know star trek discovery and everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. They have one mind. They like one kind of music. They say, you know, all the same shit. Like, I, I can see that viewpoint. And, yeah. Uh, it just happens to coincide with the TNG audience that watched it in the 80s. Obviously, we came into it in our 20s, like way after it finished airing, at least right. fans of it. We'd seen it here and there. But and that's a great way to have, oh, who's the heroes now? It's all our old crew. You know, everyone's over the age limit. Thank God that they can, you know. <laughs> Save the day. And we could spend the last couple episodes because we like trap all the crew that have been borged. You know, they somehow transport them into a holding pen or whatever. And it's yes. like, all right, we got them out of the way. Now the final episode's old people only. Let's go. And now and this is a great way to bring in, oh, we need a ship that's not connected to the network like all these new ships are. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jordy, didn't you say you were working on the, you know, the Enterprise D on the side and refurbishing it? Oh, we'll take that. So we get the nostalgia bait of going back on the D, on the bridge, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks amazing. I was so happy to see it. Man, it really did hit. Like, you know, we thought this might happen, but when you see that, that it's been rebuilt, restored, and it, it is cool to see them back uh, on the, the ship, especially we talk about how dark the lighting is with everything else. And it's like just being on yeah. a cozy, warm bridge with our favorite cast, you know, more or less. It's it, great. It, it worked, yeah. And it was kind. Of, it was kind of off-putting when they start using it, and they're like, they do have like that sort of darker lighting on that ship because it just looks weird. Because I'm not used to seeing it like in that lighting, and I'm like, no, man. But I appreciate it being back. It really, like I said, compared to Force Awakens, it's that you know Han and Chewie getting back on the Millennium Falcon moment of uh, you know just pure nostalgia, but in in a way that makes sense. Like that's why I like like this plot is so ingenious of like getting them on this old ship for a specific reason 
Yeah, it's, right. it's not connected to the internet. Oh, I just finished yeah. restoring this old F-150. You guys want to take it out? You know, it's not a Tesla. Um, yeah, so all the boomers get on that, reminisce about, you know, the seven years they were together. Hell of a know, run. Flying through the stars, looking um, for strange new worlds. That's right. No, it, it's great. And it's funny. I, I saw a red letter media mention, like, technically, Voyager would be a more advanced ship. But it's like, they don't it's know how to use that. also not connected. Yeah. Yeah. But like they know all the buttons on the, the you know, Enterprise D. They know they know that yeah. thing inside now. They would have to learn Voyager. They no, their muscle memory is with the D. They're gonna drive the D because they know they know, you know, absolutely to, how to get the most. And there's out some of funny it. moments with Worf where he's like, Well, actually I prefer the E for you know, the superior weapons and stuff. And then yeah. they insinuate that Worf led to the destruction of the E, which happened off screen, like after Nemesis. Oh, um, which is right. very funny. He's like, Oh, that was not my fault. Yeah, um, because in canon, or I don't know if this is canon or not, but like in the books, after Nemesis, uh, Worf is made the captain of the Enterprise after Picard, because Riker okay. becomes the captain of the the Titan, uh, and Worf becomes the captain of the Enterprise, which would have been the E at the time. And gotcha. uh, you know, with with just seeing Insurrection last week, seeing a lot of the E bridge and stuff, I just really like the D so much better as a ship than the E. It's it's the greatest bridge, I think, without question. Yes. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's something that they'll never like make a bridge like that again because, like you said, everything's got to have dark lighting. Like, you know, yeah. everything's got to be grim and serious, and it can't be a nice, warm, inviting, you know, carpet and wood panels like the Enterprise D. Yeah. Can you tell the difference between the Discovery Bridge and the Titan Bridge? Like, no. Yeah. Nobody it all can. just looks, yeah, it's all just stainless steel and like, you know, screens and, and stuff like that. I get it if you wanted to go dark lighting, focus on the council, we have combat. But when you're chilling, like, come on, man, we, we needs to feel like an environment people would live in for years, yeah. you know, so that's the only other thing they have the like that. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the closest one to that now is the Strange New Worlds bridge where it's more colorful like the old like the og show like they kind of bring in and it's that era so everything looks like that era but it's still got like the more dramatic lighting but it it's it's a little more colorful and has a little more personality right and then you go to the quarters and it's like they got a fireplace right or in yeah. the enterprise d like there's carpet and plants but then when you see jack crusher's quarters in this ship it's like a prison cell it looks right. like the you know nx01 archer like level of comfort you know yeah because the enterprise d as the flagship of starfleet at time at that time was designed more for diplomacy and exploration more than combat because yeah. there weren't any big threats like the borg or the dominion yeah, at we that did point. just come out of the war yeah so, so maybe they shifted so, their strategy starfleet really had to change over those years because they were dealing with you know the events of first contact and then the events of nemesis which would have a big shakeup in that universe and then the dominion war it's like they've seen some shit now and it's kind of like this is a post it's like a post 9-11 starfleet it's a post dominion yeah. war and borg attacks starfleet so they're more militarized now yeah at what point does janeway come back too because if that's like a couple of months after the dominion we're like holy shit you brought the borg again what the hell yeah right <laughs> you know, it doesn't stop but i think yeah. first con well first contact happens a little before the dominion war right but Nemesis right. happens right after the Dominion War. I believe that's the timeline. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so they, they've had a lot of conflict. They've seen a lot on. of shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the whole Constitution class, even other ones we see, yeah, those were 
Those are nice digs. I would rather want to live on one of those. But yeah, yeah, wartime, we're going to cut the comfort and focus on the hardware, you know, survivability. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it in universe. But yeah. we, get we get our some crew cool shots of on the ship yeah, we like yeah. on the bridge, the whole crew there together looking at cars, like, bro. Yeah, yeah. The UI. I was fanboying for sure. Like, uh, you know, it's pure, again, pure fan nostalgia bait, but I loved it. Tied in sure. in a way that at least feels organic. And there's a lot of things in the first season where I think the writing was just very, very bad. So I, even though they're shoehorning the fan service ship, it like serves the story better. Like it still works. It can be fan service and serve the story. Both things can be true. And I think they pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, once we got the zoomers out of the way. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So the young people are, you know, trying to take over Starfleet. Our, our crew of boomers has to save them using the boomer ship, the 1701D. Uh, Borg cubes on the way. Frontier days happening. Time is a ticking. You know, they're going to yeah. blow up Earth's defenses and take everything down. So we got to put a stop to this. Right. Uh, and what happens next? Well, Picard goes to where the Borg Queen and Jack Crusher are. He has a big, you know, moment where he's trying to convince his son to like, you know, let go. Like, don't let the Borg control you. Like, you got to. You know, you got to be strong and all that. And he's even like, take me instead. Like, you know, leave, you know, I'm Locutus. I'm the one you really want. And yeah, which harkens back to the lines from um, First Contact when he's like, she's like, I want an an equal, a counterpart. And he's like, take me, your counterpart's like, ah, not anymore. You're old, dude. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. He does the same thing with Data where, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, take me instead of Data. But she's not interested in him now. She's interested in Jack Crusher, who's, the younger, more advanced version of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so we're, we have kind of two teams here. It's like Worf and Riker and Picard kind of storming the cube, right? And then we have uh, Jordy is has command of the Enterprise D. Deanna's in her usual chair and Data's kind of flying it around. So we have these kind of two squads going through. Right. But... Uh, in order to save Jack, that's the primary thing. We get some shoot him up, and I didn't know your sword was this heavy, which was a funny moment when Riker tries to use Worf's sword. Um, oh yeah, swords are fun, but he has to have a heart to heart. You know, he kind of he he has to jack himself back into the collective. Like Picard has to choose to interface with the collective to reach his son, which is a crazy character moment for him. You know, yeah, it's really tying together all his old arcs, dealing with the Borg, and also dealing with his reluctance to have a family but also kind of wanting a family too wanting someone to carry on the picard name um Mm -hmm. even though his name might be jack crusher he's still kind of you know he's still his son so um yeah it was a really emotional and and it's really a great way to sort of wrap up the character of picard uh and it feels like they were trying to do something similar with this his mom and everything last season but that stuff just didn't work for me as well because he really never mentioned his mom or any issues with his you know childhood before that season right right like where's this all coming from on a single not in on a single episode not when he's visiting his brother at the vineyard never when he's home back on the old homestead does it come up ever you know but his whole thing has always been like i don't like children i don't want to have you know i don't want to have a family i'm a career focused guy but over time being like hmm maybe I do want someone to sort of carry on my legacy and sort of coming to terms with that. And then, you know, obviously trying to make a family with, with 
Beverly Crusher and everything and that not working out. Um, so it's all culminating with this, I think. And they sprinkle in stuff with Jack, like having gone to Starfleet Academy or whatever and try almost confronting him as Picard's talking to a bunch of cadets. I'm having my lunch and telling you about the time we did the adventure, right? And right. Jack's like, what about your family? You, ever, you know, and he's like, I am only a Starfleet man. And Jack's like, dang it. You know, like I... Right. You don't Which even is know kind of funny because like Beverly gave him the choice whether he wanted to contact his father or not. And he chose not to except in this secretive way where he's not revealing who he is and stuff, but trying to get a gauge of you... who his dad is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Maybe not the best approach, but you know, we're all human here, but it's like, how, yeah. how is he supposed to react to you if he just thinks you're some random asshole? Um, right. But it, it shows there's some pain there and they have arguments. So to have the final heart to heart where it's like, even Jack's like, look, when I'm here, like, it's it's chill. Like, the collective is, like, kind of accepting me. And then he's like, well, you're my son. I love you. And if you're not leaving, I'll stay with you. And that's, like, kind of the, the, the moment that helps them connect. And then they're able to say, you know what, Borg Queen? Nah. Yeah. Vin Diesel, family. Nah. And, uh, family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they break out. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, you know, all the young people are being controlled by the Borg, including um, Jordy's daughters and stuff. So they're like, mm-hmm. we don't want to kill these people. We want to somehow save them and get them back to being normal humans. Yep. And so they're all over ships, all over Starfleet. They're still threatening. Like they they finally blow up like the defense station. So like it's almost Earth getting dooskied time. Yeah. Like last and like minute, I mentioned, uh, yeah. with... Uh, Admiral Shelby, the cameo, very brief because pretty much she gets mutinied by her own crew when the Borg start attacking and killed. Uh, so that's like a quick cameo before she's killed. I think the 1701 F is destroyed, the Enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, as are, you know, many officers and stuff were not expecting their younger crew to mutiny. So there's a lot of casualties. It's going crazy. Yeah. Um, but eventually they are able to save the day, right? They're able to save the day, except there's one issue. The whole cube's blowing up, and there's no way we'll be able to get them out of there. We can't transport them out. It's Riker's going to die. He calls Deanna and says, take care of our kids or whatever. You know, it's this emotional time. Is this all right, Worf? Today is a good day to die. Like, damn. That's right. They're all willing to die in order to finally destroy the Borg. Save all of Uh, humanity. Yeah. The needs of the many, you know. That's right. That's what they're trained to do as Starfleet officers. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's um, why it's a, yeah. And so, but there's one Starfleet officer who learned that lesson as well, and he did sacrifice himself for the greater good. His name was Lieutenant Commander Data, and now he's at the helm. Deanna has a crazy empath moment where she's like, "I know where they are." Jordy says, "Here it is." There's no way we'll ever get to them in time. And I just want to say this because I really enjoy the moment where Data's like, I, "I have a gut feeling that I can do this," and I just really like this interaction. And then we yeah. finally fly in the ship, and they're just trust me, and they do. And he takes the ship in. They're flying through the Borg cube like the Millennium Falcon out of the Death Star. And then Deanna's yeah. like, "Why do I sense enjoyment?" And you just see the smile yeah. on Brent Spiner's face as Data's—he's loving it. And they transport him out of there, and they make the escape. And it's like, oh man, that was that was pretty cool, you know. Fans that was a great moment. Pretty fun, yeah. And just knowing this is the last, this is the last run with you know this crew. Like, what a great way to like culminate all you know everything they've done together from the show and the movies and to wrap up yeah your greatest threat your greatest flaw right like you could never be a father now you're a father right you know Rafi, yeah. you're 
son wants you to see your grandkid. Good for you, right? You're a good guy now, Rafi. You know, all this stuff. And even Annika gets to take over. Seven of nine, I apologize. Seven of nine gets to take over. Well, Shaw has that moment. So Shaw yeah. dies, right? He's a casualty of, of this war. But before he dies, and he's had this long arc where he's trying to get to know Seven of Nine better and understand how she thinks. And she, his final thing that she says to her is calls her Captain Seven, right? Mm-hmm. We find Captain out that Seven. he recommended her to be a captain at the end here. Um, yep. So he secretly, he did respect her and was trying to sort of understand her better. Um, so a great arc for him. And all the different characters, like I said, like Jordy, we said it last week with the eye implants, like him being able to use his eyes to act, like you just realize what a good actor he is. And he gets to do a lot of acting with his eyes in this, with his, his daughters and stuff. And he gets the captain, really the good. Enterprise D, you know, he gets yeah. the helm, gets to take the bridge. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really good. Beverly has. Worf has sort of grown as a person, become more in tune with his feelings and stuff. He's like doing yoga and like all this crap. And people are like, Worf is doing yoga now? He's like, he's like a nonviolent, peaceful guy, except when he needs to be violent. Mm-hmm. So big character growth for him. Uh, yeah, and like everyone gets more to do, right? Yeah, and I think overall, this season as a whole, everyone really had a moment to shine. Riker has some really great stuff too. Like he ha- he takes over the Titan, which was his old ship. He has a lot of good jokes. Yeah. Um, and you know, Riker throughout. and Troy, um, you know, of course, they had a, a child that died earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the trauma of dealing with that and then knowing what, Jean-Luc and Beverly are going through with their son who is in danger and stuff. And also Beverly getting to do a lot of good acting with her son and with Picard and everything. Like everyone gets something to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, the only oversight I feel is like, where is Alexander Worf? Like everyone's being good dads. And where is Will Wheaton? He's 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 a traveler. We saw him at the end of season uh, two. Yeah. He comes and he takes... uh, Soji away. Is it Soji or Sochi or whatever? Which yeah. whatever one of the you know Dodge or Sochi, one of them. But yeah, yeah. that's he's like, right. Come that's with right. me. So you see him a little cameo. He's doing all the behind the scenes. Will Wheaton, he's doing the uh the talking trek or whatever they call it. Uh right, right. Yeah, so you imagine he's, he's like, You couldn't give me one cameo? Like I would feel really bad if I was him. Uh yeah, he should show up as the traveler and like have a scene with Jack Crusher where he's like, Oh, so you're my brother, huh? That's cool. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like, that'd be wild. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that could still happen in the future because things are teased out here. But I do want to mention the kind of the final wrap up. I love this yeah. little, um, you know, you get you get the we're, we're cooling down. There's a little bit more on the ship. You get Data's therapy session, which is very funny. Um, but they end up right back at um, the 10 forward set, like the bar, the actual bar 10 forward, not the one in the bridge. And they're yeah. drinking, having a good time, and we ended in a card game the same way we did in Best of Both Worlds. And I think that was really great. Absolutely, yeah. The shot of the the table from overhead circling around, just like old times. Um, and then even before that, because that's the last shot yeah. of the whole show, right? Right, Which is right, a great right. Way to end. But that scene um, at the bar, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but we get our tease of what could the future of this Trek, of this era of Trek look like Yes. First, we get the Titan. So they go back to the Titan. I think this is like a year later or something. Mm-hmm. Um, some time has passed since the big climax. Um, but they're taking Picard back to the, the Titan and they reveal, oh, she's got a new name now. And I'm like, yeah. oh, what, this, what could this be? Uh, and it's now the Enterprise. No 
Sorry. <laughs> yeah, USS Picard. I always no, thought that. And what's the Picard. designation? I shouldn't cut you off, but yeah. So we get. Oh, what's well, the 1701? I assume G because I think the F was destroyed in that big mm-hmm. battle. Um, so they need a new 1701 G. So they rename the Titan the Enterprise. And we find out Captain Shaw recommended Seven of Nine to take over as captain. So we've got Captain Seven. We've got First Officer Raffi, her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, conflict of interest. You got to report that to your ship's counselor. Yeah. Well, who's definitely your ship's counselor? Yeah. There. Right. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then we get Jack Crusher starting his first day as an ensign on board the USS 1701G Enterprise. Yeah, the Enterprise G, which maybe mild take. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if we need to name it Enterprise G. Mm. I think uh, Seven, Captain of the Titan. I think that's great. Let her have her own legacy Titan. with the Titan. But I but get with what the F being for. destroyed, they did need a new Enterprise because that's like the flagship of the she- the fleet. So yeah. at least in my in my head, I think like okay, the Titan must be the next best ship after it the Enterprise. So if it was destroyed, standard. it kind of gets promoted to become the Enterprise. That makes sense instead of building a whole new ship. Yeah, yeah, it's probably prohibitively expensive. Plus, you know, the wars. What's um, interesting to me is that the current day one was called the F because that means it, it went, you know, from D to E to F. So the E, the one in the movies was the enterprise for like another 20 or 30 years until or we, we know that Worf somehow causes destruction. Yeah. Um, and then the, the F took over at some point, but there's only been one iteration since the E, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's G. I guess wartime, peacetime, when is stuff going on? How What's the turnover rate, I guess? And do you have flagships? Right. The bureaucracy. But I think it's fine. We have an Enterprise G now, another one to add to the ship collector's list. We get a little model of the D getting put down in there, yeah. a little Eagle Moss. And we've uh, been seeing you know, the inside of the ship this whole season, and now we know that it's the new Enterprise. It's like we know what it looks like. And it works for them, too, because now they can use those sets again, obviously, if they are going to do this. And what's speculated is clearly a Captain Seven of Nine show. Uh, I don't know what you call yeah. it. But I, so it's I like set up, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's set up perfectly for a spinoff with them flying off to start their adventures in the stars. Um, and I don't know if it's a spinoff that will get made, but it's definitely could get made. And I know Terry Metalis, the showrunner of this season, who basically turned around this whole show has pitched an idea of this spinoff called Star Trek Legacy that would have mm. Captain Seven, they would have, you know, Rafi and Jack Crusher on board. The Forge um, Yeah. So it's definitely something they could do. Um, and I know, you know, like Strange New Worlds started, those characters started on Discovery, and then they were so popular that they made a spinoff mm-hmm. uh, with those characters. So if they're listening to fans and enough fans want it, I think they could make a Star Trek Legacy for sure. Do you, where are you at on it? Do you have do you have an interest in Star Trek Legacy after kind of what we saw this season and where, where these characters? I think, yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, it's better than the show being called Picard and just having a bunch of new characters. Like right. if they're going to make new characters, like Seven of Nine being Captain, I like that. I like the actress uh, Jerry Ryan, mm-hmm. um, and I like her portrayal of Seven. And she's experienced a lot of growth from her Voyager days. She's she's a lot more human now because. She had a lot, she's had a lot more time to integrate with human society, um, mm-hmm. but she's still coming to terms with her, her Borg side and everything. So I think, yeah, she would make a great captain. I think Jack Crusher is a good character. So I could definitely see more adventures of the ship for sure. 
they laid enough groundwork to at least have something interesting there. And I think the most interesting thing is seven of nine as captain. I think Jerry Ryan did a great job this season. Um, I mean, she's not been bad in the other. It's just I don't like how it was written. Um, yeah. But there's Absolutely. a lot of good emotional moments for her. Um, and even her meeting data and stuff like that. Stuff like that you would always hope to see. Yeah. You know? And, uh, of course, we get Tuvok, uh, Tim Russ on this show. Uh, first, we get imposter Tuvok. That's a nice little scene. Changing and then we get Tuvok. real Tuvok at the end. Um, so I would like to see, you know, I know Admiral Janeway is still out there. They should bring her back. Like, bring all the Voyager characters back in weird ways in this show. Like, that would be oh, fun, you know? That, and you know what? If you bring back some of those cameos from Voyager, then we can get Barkley worked in. Because Barkley kind of saves everyone on Earth. I don't know if anybody yeah. knows this, but he he invents a technology that allows us to communicate with the Voyager and help them right. get back. Yeah. But you could have, it would be really funny if they brought all the Voyager characters back and Ensign Kim is still an ensign after oh. like 20 years. It's like, yep, I'm be, 50 years old. I'm still an ensign. Never got that would promoted. would be really great. Just playing his flute. Uh, that would be hilarious. Yeah. No, I can hear it now though. Captain. It's like Janeway talking to Seven. I see the captain in my quarters for coffee, you know. Hello, you know, like that'd be great yeah. for them to reunite because they had such a, a mentor mentee relationship through right. Voyager. And Janeway so. is an admiral now that she's mentioned a couple of times on this show, I think as mm-hmm. being an admiral at this point. Um, oh, we got yeah, an admiral that's the son of Pavel Chekhov. Fun fact. That's right. Well, actually the, yeah. he's the president of the president of the Federation, president of the Federation. And his that's name right. is Anton Chekhov. And it is uh, Walter Koenig's voice uh, who played Uh-oh. Chekhov, the original Chekhov. He's like 90 years old now, but they got him to do this little voiceover part where Come he's on. warning people to kind of stay away. Um, and he's, he's called Anton Chekhov. He's the son of Pavel Chekhov. And he's called Anton because in honor of Anton Yelkin, who played Chekhov in the Abrams yeah. movies and tragically died. Yeah. Um, so that's like a nice little uh, thing there. Yeah, that's, Easter a, egg. that's a deep cut, nice Easter egg. Yeah. Um, but I think there is more that they could do. I wonder more than a season of it. it I hope fans enjoy this season, at least. I, I did. It, it Like you said, it's yeah. the best next-gen movie it, it, it's a it improves and i thought i would never say this it makes the best of both worlds better like it makes star trek the next gen better just this season yeah it it, it does it's justice a good wrap to those up, characters it wraps up yeah their arcs in a way that the movies didn't i mean we're going to be talking about nemesis soon so we'll have to see how we feel about that but right i think a lot of people would have liked a, a fifth movie just so they could have got a better ending to those characters and we finally got it like 20 years later yeah um but just this whole direction that that Trek has gone the last couple of years, it's very interesting if you connect, if you compare it to Star Wars, right? What's the problem with Star Wars? They're making all these shows. Um, you know, not everyone you know likes them because of some of them feel sort of like empty nostalgia bait in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people agree that their their best show recently was Andor, which is trying something new. Um, Star Trek, on the other hand, they kind of like, all right, we're going to try new things. With Discovery, uh, love it or hate it, like it's very different than a lot of the mainline it's not Trek serious. shows before this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the episode structure is like we have season long arcs instead of you know shorter single week yeah. adventures, which is my favorite format of Star Trek. This has a long arc too, but I think it, it marries the two ideas as best you can while giving you the same characters and yeah, 
scenario. But between like Discovery and the first two seasons of Picard, like they're like, we're trying new things. And a lot of the fans are like, we just want basically old stuff, but like told in a new way, which is kind of what this season felt like. And even Strange New Worlds, the old format of being episodic and being kind of lighter in tone sometimes, like felt very much like the older shows. So I wonder if their new direction will be to be like, well, people really like the nostalgia stuff. We're going to go all in on that and become sort of more like Star Wars, where you have all these random characters coming back and stuff, which is definitely a hit or miss for me in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, you know what? I think that's an interesting thought. And I think it's a perfect place for us to jump to maybe final thoughts and uh, general speculations on the, the universe of Star Trek and uh, th- that whole side of Paramount's business model as a whole, because this is one of their biggest brands. And it'd be interesting to see, based on this, where they go. And I have a couple ideas I'd like to pitch to you, too. So we'll talk all those when we engage with this conversation right after this. We're back. We may have just invented the portable beam up, but that'll have to happen at another time. Um, right now, we're going to be wrapping up our thoughts on Star Trek Picard season three and also kind of looking at the future of Star Trek. Jacob was just mentioning, you know, if the nostalgia thing is a big payoff, you know, will they lean more into that? Because Star Wars, you know, it's a bit hit and miss. Um, yeah. I, I could see. And we are, yeah, we're hitting a sort of a turning point in this new Trek era where we have Discovery ending. Picard ending, like the next season of Discovery will be its last. This is the last season of Picard, but it could have a spinoff. So we have Strange New Worlds still going. Lower Decks is still going. And they've announced the next live action main line Star Trek will be Starfleet Academy, which will be focusing, like it sounds like, on Starfleet Academy, you know, cadets, you know, just starting out kind of thing. Paramount's just Um, like, where's our Harry Potter? And it's not yeah. Starfleet Academy. It's not. But right. try. It's interesting. I mean, Starfleet Academy is an idea that they've been tossing around for years, going back to even before the next generation, because they wanted to do a Starfleet Academy even way back when they were making the OG movies. They That was been pitched. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they made Next Generation instead of a Starfleet Academy show. If you recall, Normies, on our previous episodes, we talked a little bit about that. Um, so this is an idea that's been bouncing around for like 40 years. Uh, I guess it's finally being made. They're also making a section 31. I think this is like a mini series or a television, like movie type of thing, uh, with Michelle Yeoh, of course, uh, who was in discovery, right? Yeah. Big clout for them, you know, good. And she was like a popular character in discovery of being like this, um, section 31 operative kind of. Uh, so I guess they're bringing her back for that, but I don't know. So like, yeah, do they have the resources to also make a Star Trek legacy? They kind of generally only been making two live action shows at once kind of concurrently. They don't really have like an insane budget for more shows. Right. So, yeah. But if fans prefer Star Trek legacy with the seven of nine captain seven spinoff over Starfleet Academy, I wonder if they'll kind of, pivot and change their plans a little bit or is it just like i don't know what the profitability margins are for these things you know but it's like 
are, are they trying to please everyone? Like, if we do Legacy, we'll get, like, old-school Voyager and TNG fans, like, kind of into it, right? If we yeah. do Strange New Worlds, that's just kind of, like, the new refresh. But it's a prequel, right? So that's going right. to, you know, which that's a cool energy, but it's, it's, it's event, we know at some point, spoiler. Yeah. You know, I do think they're course-correcting, like, their whole approach to Star Trek recently. Because I don't know, like, Discovery, I don't think it was super well- watched or well liked mm-hmm. um, but with that coming to an end like they really could go a whole different direction with star trek and they're starting to think about like how can we capitalize on this ip right so how we'll pay we off yeah so we can pay off people who are fans of discovery with a mini series with michelle yo coming back for section 31 right we can appease the old fans with potentially legacy you know younger yeah. fans maybe star trek academy is a little bit younger skewing like prodigy or lower like it could be a younger skewing show they might be trying to hit every part of this fan base that it just must be scattershot is what it feels like because we're on several different timelines and time periods Absolutely, yeah. Which makes it feel like, at least when we had Voyager and Deep Space Nine and TNG, they're in the similar time continuity, and now it's a little right. bit messy, which makes it hard. Right, but you have Strange New Worlds, which is a prequel that's set in its own time Kirk. period. So Legacy could be like the continuation of this time period, which continues from Picard, which continues mm-hmm. from those other shows from the 90s. Um, yeah, I don't it's know. Just like, it seems all over the place, but if I could recommend one... You know, the movies you said for TNG, obviously, wasn't the send off for the characters people would hope. Best of Both Worlds is a very, very good series finale, I think. I think it's good. Um, but the movies soured that. And then this series fixes the end of TNG. And yeah. I recommend, I don't think it'll ever happen because nobody cares that much, but I want to bring back Captain Archer. Bring back the NX-01 crew if you could do a mini-series, because they really got screwed out of their ending. Uh, That's Temple true. Cold War. They really got screwed out of their ending. And if you if you can do this legacy thing, and maybe nostalgia will be there, do 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 a, you know, a, ask the audience if they want it, because I think it would be great to see Scott Bakula back, Jolene Balick, you know, Tim yeah. Russ. Just if finish. the fan base is there, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but Get the dog back. I, I think it. they deserve it. And, you know, yeah. we get, with Jeffrey Combs, like, let's go, man. Like, that, I would love to see them back at it again. Definitely, yeah. But who knows? I mean, yeah, I would I would watch it. I don't know if the fan base is there or not, but... <laughs> You're kindly saying it's back not there. <laughs> and I don't think it is well, either. Unfortunately, you know, I do like that show, but it was canceled after four seasons due to poor performance. So is yeah. there enough to bring it back? I would like to think so, but we'll see, right? I think it's just when it's been a long road getting from there to here. Um, That's right. It's been a long time, but I don't think their time is ever going to be here, unfortunately, as much as I would love to see it. But I, I'm advocating for that, Paramount, if you're listening. But it is interesting. Um, you know, TNG, Voyager, and DS9, they all went seven seasons, kind of the typical Trek length. Enterprise went for Discovery, only five seasons. Its fifth season is going to be its last. TOS went Strangely three, Worlds. Right? What's that? TOS was three, right? TOS was three because it got canceled, but then found new life with the movies. Right, um, right. And on syndication. Strange New Worlds, I hope, goes seven years. That would be great. I would love to have seven years yeah. of Anson Mount. That's still my favorite new Trek. Uh, Colin was very right um, before joining the Great Link that Lower Decks is also really, really good. If, even if you don't like animated shows, if you can get through the yeah. first couple episodes, that's a very, very strong Trek show. It, it is a Trek show. Don't think it's just a goofy Rick and Morty ripoff because it is not. No, um, I like Lower Decks a lot, too. I like Strange New Worlds. 
and now Picard season three. And those have been kind of the best reviewed new Trek things. So hopefully they continue to listen to their audience and go in directions that, that, you know, people want. Like I said, I've said a lot of things about Alex Kurtzman. Um, I don't think he's a bad person like uh, Rick Berman. Mm. He just makes some bad choices sometimes. But I also, you know, he's the co-creative Strange New Worlds. He's kind of let showrunners do their own thing and not overseen, you know, overshadowed them too much. So I'm, I, you know, I, I'm positive looking forward and, uh, you know, Star Trek in general. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. And I think, yeah, yeah we, we both recommend fans of TNG or, you know, Star Trek to watch this season, even without one and two. It was a lot of fun going through it. Um, Absolutely, uh, I yeah. think if you're a if you're a TNG fan, even if you're a fan of the movies, or you feel like maybe the movies weren't that great, weren't a good send off for them, uh, check out you know season three. We definitely recommend it. You don't need to watch season one and two. Uh, you can if you want, but really season three is just the must watch season, right? Absolutely. It, it wraps, especially if you're like us and you've been following along and you've been watching all the movies as we go and you, you've, you know, you're almost at the end of your TNG uh, film experience. Maybe wait till we watch Nemesis and then watch season three of this. And I think that'd be a good way for you to round yeah. out your TNG experience. And I got to give him credit because, like I said, I've said bad things about Kurtzman before. And I'll, a lot of times I do like the way the season starts, but then it events, you know, eventually dovetails and, and, to weirder and weirder ways and just kind Mm -hmm. of fumbles what it's set up this season really paid off and it didn't fumble the premise by the end of it, which I was actually surprised because I was kind of expecting it to kind of fall apart by the end, but it held up the entire season. And I think it's a really strong season and uh, we, we highly recommend it. You're you're right. Cause this will be my final final here then. But, um, this one started for me rough because I'm like, oh my God, they're doing Picard and Crusher and they had a fucking secret kid. Like, oh, they did this in the TOS movies. Right. And then that one scene is like, okay, I'm kind of on board when when they're actually confronting each other. You didn't give me a choice, Beverly. I, you only want to be in space, John Luke. And I'm just like, whoa, all it's, right. Like, I buy it. Yeah, and it's definitely more compelling than David Marcus and Dr. Carol Marcus, right? Like, it's actually yeah. a better done version of that. Doing that and better. Like, the father-son relationship is better than... Shatner and, and David Marcus, right? Yeah. You killed oh, my son. Yeah, you yeah. forgot about him for two movies too. But um yeah, it, it's good. And then you add the Dominion stuff with with the changelings, like, oh shoot, we're doing changelings, sick. And then it builds to the Borg and it just keeps getting better. And that's yeah. what I enjoyed the most. Like it started where I thought this was the dumbest premise, and it just kept getting better and better and better. And that's the opposite of what a typical new Trek show would do. Totally. And the way it started too, like if they had just started with the Borg as the enemy again, I would have been the Borg again. again. Really. <laughs> but the way they did it and the way they left it as like a third twist of like, oh, the Borg secretly behind it was actually pretty well done. Yeah. And again, so, it makes sense to team, team yeah. up the extremists. Yeah. So, wow. Good writing. Tight script. Shout logical out. Payoff. Yeah, Terry Metalis. Yeah. Came in, really saved the show, honestly. Um, yeah. And I'm looking forward to the direction it's going in. For sure. Yeah, Terry Metalis out here, our second favorite Star Trek related Terry, I think, after Terry yeah. Farrell. But, you know, That's shout right. out Hellraiser yeah. 3. But no, really great shout job, out. Terry Metalis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, excellent work on this season. So, um, yeah, hopefully y'all check it out and you enjoy it. Um, I guess otherwise that kind of wraps it up for us here um, with our final, well, not final, we're going to have our face our nemesis one more time, but the last right. in but the we'll timeline. 
We'll be back next week with a not Star Trek, but maybe still in space. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. So we'll see. Uh, it's a big galaxy out there, and someone's got to be guarding it. Um, wow. Guarding it, I mean. Anyway. All right, we're talking about Ant-Man, Quantumania. That's again. right. <laughs> we had to watch it a second time. <laughs> it was just um, too good. That's right. That's right. Well, like I said, um, all good things must come to an end, as is this episode. And the ride with the TNG original cast, what a send-off it was. And we're going to be sending you off for now. Be sure to check out our YouTube. You know, normies like us, we're on Instagram. Um, all, any podcast network you got, iTunes, give us a rating, write review. We always appreciate that. And, That's uh, right. Otherwise, yeah, your hosts, uh, this is uh, Mike, son of Moog. And this is Captain, for the last time, actually Admiral now, Jacques-Luc Picard. Thank you, normies. It's been an honor. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, whatever. Make it so. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!